She looked the same, but she also looked different. Same dark eyes, same mouth, same movie star hair. But there was a different soul looking out through those eyes. They were hard eyes, mean eyes, ruthless, pitiless eyes, like the eyes of a shark, no more gentle or sweet than the cold, eerie eyes of a hammerhead shark. I was glad. You see, I had wondered whether she had been a controller for long before she faked her own death. I had wondered whether it was a yerk kissing me goodnight and teasing me about my vanity and laughing at my dumb jokes. But now, I felt like I knew. It couldn't have been, see? Because she did look different. I could see the evil inside her. I would have seen it back then. Right? Part of my brain said, Don't be a fool, Marco. She's among her fellow yerks now. Of course she's no longer putting on an act. She doesn't have to hide what she is anymore. My mother looked at me with the eyes of a Yerk Visser. I was expecting four technicians. Where are the other three? I just stared. Where are the other three who were supposed to come with you from the pool ship? I jerked my head to break the spell. The other three? The other three technicians? Oh, uh, they, uh... They had a problem. I think Visser 3 killed them for doing something wrong. It was possibly the stupidest lie I had ever told. And yet, it worked. My mother raised one eyebrow contemptuously. If that clown, Visser 3, thinks he can damage me in the eyes of the Council of Thirteen by sabotaging this project, he's a bigger fool than I thought. I gulped. From outside, there came a huge roar and a beastly bellow. Jake and Rachel and Cassie, still creating a distraction. I could only imagine how desperate their situation was. We're having a bit of a problem with the Andalite bandits Visser 3 has still failed to exterminate, Visser 1 said calmly. All I could do was nod. I see, she said. Obviously, your host mind is giving you some trouble. I'm sure you are aware that your host body is the biological son of my own host body. Not a shred of emotion. Not a shred of guilt. It was sitting there, using my mother's body, knowing, knowing like no one else could possibly know, the agony my mother must be feeling at seeing me. I nodded. Yes, Visser. You must learn to control your host more completely. My own host is in here, creating an awful racket, she said, tapping her head. But I do not let her weeping and wailing disturb me. No, Visser, I said in a whisper. I will try harder to control my host. I wanted to destroy that yerk. I wanted to reach inside that familiar head and rip that filthy yerk out of there and stomp it into the floor. I was surprised Visser 1 couldn't see my hate. I felt it vibrating the very air around me. But I couldn't do anything. All I could do was stand there. Stand there with my arms at my sides and listen to the foul Yerk Visser, highest of all the Vissers, 
sneer at the fact that my mother's mind and heart were crying from seeing her son made a slave of the Yerks. Wham! It was the sound of something large being slammed against the outside wall of the building. I pictured a hork thrown by a rampaging elephant. Visser 1 barely blinked. Well, I guess I'd better see to this little problem outside, she said wearily. I have to wrap up this shark project and have a thousand shark controllers ready to use on Lyra within two months. I don't need to be pestered by Visser 3's leftover Andalite problems. That incompetent fool will be arriving soon. I only wish these tiresome Andalite bandits would remove that particular annoyance from my life. She stood up. She straightened her hair exactly the way my mom always did. I looked into her eyes, wishing I could see some sign there of my mother. Wishing I could tell her, Don't worry, Mom. I'm not a controller. I'm fighting, Mom. I'm fighting them, and someday, I'll save you. But that would have been fatal. And I'm not someone who does emotional, stupid things. Sometimes, I wish I were. Get to the lab, Visser One said. Go to work. She walked past me, like she'd already forgotten I existed. I held my breath as she stepped out into the hallway. But Axe and Tobias were gone. I breathed a sigh of relief. Why? Maybe because Axe would have hurt her. I don't know. Then, through the massive round porthole, I saw something large and sinuous. Like a snake, but a snake that was 50 feet long and thicker than a taxon. It was the yellow of poison, with a mouth that looked able to swallow a small boat. It was coming straight for the facility, and on either side of it, like an honor guard, were a dozen hork and bizarre red diving suits, propelled by small water jets attached to each ankle. I had a feeling I knew this particular snake's name. Chapter 23 I followed her out in the hall, but she walked away, swaggering, like the yerk visser she was. I watched her for longer than I should have. Then, I ducked into a side door. The room was dark. I expected to find Axe and Tobias there. I did. I found Axe very suddenly, in fact. Thwap! A tailblade was pressed against my throat. Hey, it's me. Please don't remove my head. I use it sometimes. Marco! We were just trying to figure out whether we should try and rescue you or go join the fight outside, Tobias said in his now unfamiliar human voice. We accessed the central computer for this facility, but before we could discover anything, you came in. Axe led me over to a glowing three-dimensional computer display. It was weird, the way most of the place was like any standard boring human office, like an insurance agent's or school secretary's office. But I guess the Yurks didn't want to be stuck messing with human-level computers. Jake's tiger roar sounded a little frazzled. We need to get out there and help them, Tobias said. No, I snapped. They can't be helped by us rushing out there. Visser 3 is coming with more hork -Bajir. He's morphed this giant snake from planet whatever. They stared at me like I must be hallucinating or something. Look, it's him, okay? I saw it through the porthole. A huge yellow sea snake with hork alongside. Who do you figure that would be? He cannot have had time to hear about a battle down here, Axe pointed out.
It's too quick to be a rescue mission. I don't think it is a rescue mission. I think it's a coincidence. I think he happened to be on his way here. Just our bad luck, Tobias said. Maybe not, I pointed out. Visser 1 and 3 are rivals. Visser 1 let us escape to mess with Visser 3. This may work for us. But first things first. Axe, start questioning that computer. I couldn't believe I was standing there so calmly while Jake, Rachel, and Cassie were probably fighting for their lives. But I guess I'd had a good look at the ruthlessness of the Yurks. I'd seen it in Visser 1's cold eyes. I'd heard it in the pitiless voice that didn't care one tiny bit that I was the son of the body it now controlled. I guess there are times when the only way to survive is to be as ruthless as the enemy. To destroy before you can be destroyed. As we guessed, Axe said, staring with his main eyes at the computer readout. The Yurks are invading Lyra. It isn't going well for them. Most of the Lyrans are resisting. Since the Lyrans are psychic, it is impossible for the Yurks to deceive them. So the Yurks have decided to forget about stealth and go to a straight invasion by force. But it's a watery world, so they can't rely on hork I said. It's true. The Hammerheads are being re-engineered to allow for Yurks to make them controllers. The Shark controllers will be the troops in the war for Lyra. Great. Now can we get out there and help Rachel and the others? Tobias demanded. He hadn't waited for an answer. He was already demorphing. Red-tailed feathers were sprouting from his hands. Axe, can you find a way to remove these things in our heads? I asked. Axe communicated mentally with the computer. There is a liquidation program, but it's heavily encrypted. The only other way the implants can be liquidated is in the event this facility is completely destroyed. What? Tobias said. You can't eliminate these things without blowing up the whole place? Yes. It's so there would be no evidence left behind if something goes wrong. But in any case, we don't have a way to annihilate this facility. Axe, how do they keep the water out of this place? How do they keep it from flooding? If it were just air pressure, our ears would be seriously imploding. Force fields, I assume, modulated to hold the water back while allowing animal lifeforms to enter and leave. Can you reach the controls? Done. Can you turn off the force fields? Without letting the Yurks know? Axe laughed derisively. I'm an Andalite. No simple, derivative, unimaginative Yurt computer presents any difficulties to me, you know, unless it's specially shielded. What are you doing? Tobias demanded, once more back in Hawkmorph. You let the water in, and we'll all be killed. Destroy the facility, and it may trigger the liquidation of these head implants, I said. Axe, can you build in a five-minute delay? Five minutes. He communicated with the computer by ThoughtSpeak. Done. In five minutes, millions of your gallons of water will come rushing into this place. We'd better all have gills before then, Tobias said. Yeah, and those who can't grow gills, I guess they'll wish they could. Chapter 24 We ran from the room. I morphed as I ran. I morphed into a gorilla. We were going into a fight. 
And although the gorilla isn't a mean or aggressive animal, it is amazingly powerful. By the time we reached the door to the outside, I was done. Tobias was already flying, and Axe was Axe. I threw open the door to the outside. Actually, I forgot I was in Gorilla Morph and opened the door so hard it ripped clear off its hinges. What I saw was a scene of destruction. There were injured Horkbegir lying crumpled around the facility. There was a reeking squash taxon being munched on ravenously by a fellow taxon. Rachel and Grizzly Morph, Jake and Tiger Morph, and Cassie as a wolf had done some serious damage. But now they were cornered, almost surrounded by wary but determined Horkbegir. Visser 1, my mother, was striding toward them, seemingly unconcerned. As she went, she was kicking the wounded Horkbegir, demanding they get up and fight. Half a dozen had already rallied to her. Five minutes, I said tersely. Less. Then we have to be in the water. With gills, Tobias reminded me. Okay, let's go save Jake, I said. That guy, he's always needing me to come along and rescue his butt. I broke into a loping run. Tobias flopped away, and Axe ran, tail at the ready. At least I can introduce Visser 1 to my tail, Axe said gleefully. No! I yelled. I mean, you guys go help the others. I'll clean up Visser 1 and her group. Axe and Tobias went ahead. I hit the group of hork that was following my mother. They didn't see me coming. Wham! I slammed a hork down to the concrete, and he stayed down. Swish! A hork spun around and swung his arm. Wristblade turned toward me. But he'd already been wounded. He was slow. I was slow too. But I didn't miss. I drove my canned ham-sized gorilla fist with more power than ten Evander Holyfields into the hork chest. The other hork stayed back. My mother turned around. Kill it, you cowards! Kill it! One of the hork leapt at me, arms and legs all flashing with deadly blades. I tried to dodge, but gorillas are not exactly fast. Ah! I was cut. My left arm was slashed deeply. Blood was flowing out onto my dark, coarse fur. That's it? Kill it! Visser one crowed gleefully. The hork cut me again, less deeply, but more painfully, with a blow that sliced through my rubbery gorilla muzzle. His buddies decided it was safe to come after me now, too. They were wrong. I was a gorilla. People might look at a gorilla and think, well, it's only twice as heavy as a big man, and not even as tall, so how strong could it be? How strong? You could hit a gorilla in the head with a sledgehammer, and he'd just grab it and make you eat it. Arnold Schwarzenegger using his entire body could not have bent back my wrist if I didn't want him to. In the wild, gorillas are gentle, sweet animals. But I wasn't just a gorilla. I was Marco with the power of a gorilla. And the Marco part of me was not feeling gentle or sweet. I grabbed the big hork by his snake neck, grabbed him with one hand and closed my fingers tight. He slashed at me wildly. He cut my arm again and again. But I held on. And with my other arm, I grabbed another hork by the wrist. Then, I simply introduced them to each other. The hard way. They decided that was enough. They left. And Visser 1 stood alone.
Just me and Visser One. Just me and my mother. So, Andalite, she said calmly, I see you are enjoying the use of all these wonderful earth morphs. But you must know you cannot escape from this place. However, if you surrender peacefully, I can let you live. I didn't say anything. I couldn't. The Yurks think we're all Andalites. That's what we want them to go on thinking. We've always worried that if we started talking to them, we might let something slip that would tell them we're humans. If they ever find out what we really are, we're done for. But there was a second reason I couldn't talk to Visser One. See, I knew if I started talking to my mom, I would never be able to stop myself. I'd spill it all out. I'd tell her everything because it's been so long since I've been able to talk to her. I've thought about it many times. Many, many times. All the things I'd like to tell her. About my life. My friends. What I did in school. How I made some teacher laugh. Visser One's so familiar eyes flickered. If you kill me, you'll die as well, Andalite. And then I heard a rasping, rumbling, almost belching voice. It said, An alien voice speaking an alien language. But I understood it. I felt it in my mind. It was like thought speak, only this was deeper, more profound. This voice seemed to use my own words in my own brain. What it said was, Don't be fooled, Visser One. This is no Andalite. I spun around, and there, standing just behind me, was a Lyran controller, its tentacles waving. I could squash the big amphibian without breaking a sweat, but I just froze. I froze and looked back at my mother. It is not an Andalite, the Lyran said again. It is a human. Visser One's face remained impassive. No, you idiot, she sneered. It's a gorilla. They are related to humans, but not human. This is an Andalite in Morph. I beg your pardon for disagreeing, Visser, but... Two things happened then, within seconds of each other. I broke out of my trance, whipped around and punched Lilirin right in his froggy mouth. And from the nearby dock, a huge yellow serpent reared up suddenly. Visser 3, I assume, my mother said contemptuously. Well... I see you've made a mess of things, Visser One. Our old friends, the Andalite Bandits, seem to be annihilating most of your troops. I'd have more troops but for your interference, Visser One raged. And if you weren't incompetent and a traitor to the Empire, you'd have cleaned these vermin up before now. The massive snake had grinned an evil grin as it towered above us. No doubt the Council of Thirteen will certainly enjoy hearing your excuses for failure. What the council will hear is how you've allowed a handful of morphing Andalites to go unpunished. You'll lose Lyra for us yet, you half-human fool! Like you've already lost Earth, despite the fact I handed it over to you in perfect shape. It was bizarre. You have to understand that there was a huge, roaring battle going on between my friends and the hork And I was standing there, having just punched out a Lyran. But all the two visitors seemed to care about was trashing each other. Politics. I guess it's the same everywhere. And then, a third thing happened. A massively loud alarm went off. An automated voice bellowed from speakers up in the rafters. Warning. Warning. 
Containment seals will shut down in three minutes. Extreme hazard. Countdown beginning. Countdown will be in intervals of 10 seconds. Thank you, and have a nice day. I don't know which stunned me more. The fact that there was an announcement heralding the fact that a billion gallons of water were going to come rushing in, or the fact that the computerized voice had wished us a nice day. I wanted to laugh, or at least say something, but I just ran. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, I am your host, Daniel. And hey... Here's some Animorphs news. I hear they're making a movie, which is pretty wild. Uh, if you ask my opinion, which none of you have, but you're here, so I'm going to tell you, I think a feature film is the wrong format for this series. And also, it's by the studio who did Goosebumps, which frankly does not actually engender a lot of confidence in me that they're going to do this series in a way that I will enjoy. But... Very cool that Animorphs is now, I guess, like, got enough heat that their Scholastic has revived it in a big way. They're re-releasing the books, uh, they're producing this movie, they've got audiobooks, they are making a graphic novel. Big stuff, very exciting. So, and you know what? It's in part thanks to all of you who are out here loving Animorphs. They heard the buzz, and they want in on it. So thank you for listening to this podcast and making everyone more aware that Animorphs is a cool series. Uh, I also got a very nice message from Trent, uh, both on Tumblr and on Gmail, but uh, says that I just found your podcast and I am absolutely thrilled to be able to listen to the books I cherished so much growing up. Um, and then they offered to give me a donation and we had a bit of back and forth because I still uh, would prefer, if you have money to give, that you give to a bail fund or a mutual aid fund uh, in support of the protests, but... They assured me that they had already been donating and that they still were very adamant about wanting to uh, give me something for producing these books for free when Scholastic is charging like $15 for them. So I said, fair is fair. Link them to my PayPal, which you can find on uh, theapocalypse.com, my website. That's theapocalypse.com, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. And uh, so welcome to the Platinum membership, Trent. Uh, You and the other two are in the elite squadron of people who have donated to my server fees, and I do appreciate that very much, so thank you so much. Uh, Other than that, I don't really have too much in here. We're about to wrap up on book 15. We are very close, I think one or two more episodes, Uh, and then we'll be on to the next book. Exciting stuff. So hang tight, and I'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.